Now, language can be uh, many different things. It's not just the spoken word, of course. It's even how we look at each other. As somebody once said, even the language of the face is universal because we all have faces. And so we can communicate on that very basic level, human to human, Mm -hmm. by doing that, by looking at each other, by signaling to each other. So, you know, communication and human and relations are all one mix. Welcome to the Art of Communication, where entrepreneurs learn to grow their business more effectively through mastering their ability to connect to others. Whether you're looking to increase revenue, widen your network, or just getting others to buy into your vision, we'll help you dramatically transform your business and life by communicating more effectively, improving your leadership skills, and reinvesting time back into your family. You're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and your life. So let's start the conversation with your host, Greg Rice. Have you guys ever had a prospect tell you yes, but then disappear off the face of the earth? Or maybe you've given someone on your team very clear instructions just to find out that they actually did the opposite. I know that I've struggled with these challenges more than I would like to admit. And I really wanted to learn a better way to read my customers, my team, and the most important people in my life so that I could communicate with them more effectively. And the most powerful way that I found to do this is to learn to read body language and micro expressions. You see, their body and expressions will tell you the truth about how they really feel, even when their words do not. It's an incredibly powerful skill to learn and one that I want you to learn. And that's why I partnered with the leaders in body language training for business people to offer you a free six-week e-course on body language and micro-expressions. In this free course, you'll learn what micro-expressions are, why are they so powerful, how to spot them, and then how to read them. You'll learn how to make accurate readings, which is so important. You'll learn body language with a big focus on positive body language to understand when things are going really well. You'll learn how to read minds in real time and actually see a demonstration of this. And maybe most importantly, you'll learn how to spot lies and so much more. These folks have trained over 50,000 business leaders and the work has been published in the Harvard Business Review. The concepts have been proven to boost EQ by 10% and sales by 20%. So this is really powerful stuff, guys, that you'll definitely want to check out. So you can sign up for your free six-week e-course at bodylanguagemastery.gregjrice.com. Again, that's bodylanguagemastery.gregjrice.com. And make sure you guys go check that out to ensure that you're never left wondering what happened to that sale or why your team member did the opposite of what you expected them to. Hey guys, hope you're having a great day. Today, I got to talk with Michael Keating. Michael is the co-founder of The Humans Professional where he helps leaders interact more effectively with their teams and with their stakeholders. And he really believes that the key is to being genuinely willing to listen and learn from others. It's all about trust for him. And that's how he helps his clients develop much more effective leadership capacities. So we talked a lot about leadership, right? The importance of trust to the overall performance of the team and how to build it. 
We talked about the really important role that self-awareness plays for every leader. And we talked about how leaders can be more authentic and more vulnerable, especially in those professional settings, because those are really the glue and the rocket fuel that drive relationships. So for any leaders out there or aspiring leaders, I found this to be a really refreshing take on leadership. And I think there's some really powerful lessons for you here. Michael, welcome to The Art of Communication. Really excited to have you on today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. And now you take a really, I think, unique and powerful look at communication and how it relates, especially to leadership. But I'd love to start off by just understanding what fascinates you so much about human relations and communication. Yeah, well, I think they're so interdependent upon each other. That's why I'm fascinated about it in terms of thinking about what is human relations okay so humans relating relating for what purpose you know it's it's depending about a connection uh you identify with another human being this is the relationships we have and of course if we didn't have language in some format how could we communicate with one another yeah now language can be uh, many different things. It's not just the spoken word, of course. It's even how we look at each other. As somebody once said, even the language of the face is universal because we all have faces. And so we can communicate on that very basic level, human to human, mm -hmm. by doing that, by looking at each other, by signaling to each other. So, you know, communication and human and relations are all one mix. For sure, for sure. And I, it points for me towards like facial expressions and body language and how much we can communicate without words. And you start to layer on tonality and, and all those kinds of things. Again, without the actual words that we're saying, just the sounds that we're making, it, it's really powerful how much we can communicate in that way. Now, you mentioned, uh, you at least alluded to the purpose of communication. I'm curious of your thoughts on like, what is the general purpose of communication? Yeah, well, I mean, of course, you know, we live in a world a planet, yeah, where, of course, there's certain physical boundaries, and we're there with different beings. Now, some of them are human beings, some of them are animals, organisms, etc. And we're communing in this world, yeah. And in terms of like communications, uh, the basic need that we have to be with others or be with other beings, yeah, that is uh, paramount to our health and safety, you could even call it like that, mm -hmm. because alone, we cannot accomplish anything. So even when you look at, uh, you know, babies, for example, who cannot communicate per language, if you put two babies together, you can see how they communicate to each other with facial expressions, with hand gestures, with touch, which is also a very important part of being with another human or being with another being yeah animals you know how we care for our animals how we you know we strangle them etc so you know this part of we're in this planet of living organisms that is part of being inside this idea of with others or with other beings Absolutely. And I mean, it's critical, obviously, to our survival. It's critical, I think, in, in building the community that we all need to excel in, in the world and do our greatest good. So it's very important foundationally, obviously. So I'm curious what path you took to really start studying and, and understanding how humans relate. Like, where did it start for you? 
Yeah, where did it start for me? I suppose, you know, it started for me when I was born, really, right? I mean, you automatically have to decide uh, how you're going to communicate in the world. I had an unusual start in my life because I was born uh, a month too early. Mm. So my communication for the first few weeks to my mother or father was in a box. You know, back then, premature babies were put in, you know, incubators and there was no touch allowed. So my sense of trying to communicate with the most important people in my life at that moment were my mother and father was through a glass window, you could say, in terms of facial expressions, etc. Now, you might say, oh, wow, that's unusual. Yes, but it is unusual because that has made me how I am today. I am somebody who is very attuned to body signals, language, gestures, facial gestures, particularly because of having that experience. And, uh, you know, my mother, of course, explained to me the situation when I was born. I didn't understand that until I was absolutely then a child to understand, okay, aha, I didn't have this normal way into the world for the first few weeks, you know? And so that made me the way I am. And, and that's why maybe I am so interested in the dimension of relationships between human beings. Yeah, of course, one of the other, um, let's say, forming experiences I had uh, sort of in school times, I lived originally in Ireland and I played sports. Um, funny enough, I played basketball. I'm actually a small little guy, but uh, okay, ball carrier, etc. <laughs> and Ireland back then was not very multi-culty country, but I had the opportunity of meeting uh, a U.S. black coach who came to coach us for a couple of weeks. And I really was amazed on the power of sort of effective human relationships and building team and the way he did it. Now, uh, it made me open my eyes to the power of different cultures, different ways of doing things. And uh, it started my desire to learn more. And so that's why I eventually left my country when I was 18 and went out into the world to discover different cultures and understand ways of being with different cultures. You're living in a different culture now from, from Absolutely. where you were raised, which I'm sure is a fascinating experience. I'm curious on your ex- your experience in connecting with folks in different cultures. Like, what do you find is the same that tends to work? And maybe what's a little bit different that you've seen? Yeah, I think the same basic need of mm. humans is to feel recognized from another human. Mm. So very simply, you know, when you meet somebody who maybe you don't have the same language, or even the same cultural background, uh, you have the same human dimensions, yeah, in most cases. And you can use your eyes and your smile to break the ice, yeah? So that's always a gesture that really becomes uh, of us, yeah, as humans, is showing you're open and you're providing this mm, signal of psychological safety, yeah? Because, of course, you know, we are uh, reminiscent of our ancestors of when we were like prehistoric Mm. humans who were fighting against us or clamoring against us. And to show that you were not a threat to somebody else, you showed your hands, your open hands, your gesture like this. And you can do that with your body as well by showing your openness with a lovely smile and open hands and really, you know, wanting with your eyes to have this experience of meeting somebody who you don't know for the first time. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And if you go with that same kind of passion and mindset of I'm looking to grow by meeting this person and building a relationship, even if it's only a relationship for 10 minutes because you're sitting on a bus together, it brings some power to the idea of the human connection. Mm-hmm. I love that kind of, you can learn something from everybody. You can grow from talking to everybody and letting that come through uh, emotionally as you're looking to connect with folks out in the world. Um, I think a lot of times we kind of close off to everybody around us and we just want to keep to ourselves when we're out in the world, but it's a lot harder to grow that way. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing that people miss a little bit is I use the word resonance, yeah, to feel resonance with somebody, yeah, to feel this absolute connection. It feels like nearly a buzz Mm -hmm. when you make a connection with another human being, yeah, in a way that's really transmitting this trusting, caring, let's say, relationship between each other. And uh, it is difficult to do, yeah. And, uh, you know, I challenge people to to practice that, particularly leaders in business, mm. because it does feel different when you when you are able to really have this connection with somebody. Yeah, we talk about this connection and we talk about the importance of connection. But what does that really mean? To yeah. me, it feels like this resonance you have when you really connect. I love that. And it's certainly something I've felt, but never anything that I've heard explained in that way. So how can we get better at creating that resonance with others so that we can experience that more in our lives? Because I, I agree, it's, yeah. it's a great feeling when, when you feel yeah. it. Yeah. Well, the most important variable is, of course, providing what I call first the psychological safety by showing that you're not a threat. Yeah. Now, the other is showing a level of intimacy that uh, is about I'm being honest and integrative about who I am and what I stand for and my physical being. And that has to do with guy stick and and really showing your own true self as you talk to people. I I tell people, try to talk with your eyes. You know, I get some people to do an exercise where we sit with each other for a few minutes and we just don't communicate per language. We communicate with our eyes. And we try to figure out what did the other person say at that moment when he was communicating with us, with his eyes. And uh, it's very powerful because it really makes you aware of the power of your facial gestures and language, which you can communicate without actual verbal. Yeah, that's amazing. So uh, step one is um, creating a safe space helping the other person feel comfortable being open. And then step two is really being honest and true as yourself and showing up in the moment in an authentic way. Absolutely. And the other is probably the third, which I'd add on is trusting your instincts. You know, when you're actually making that connection with somebody going with it. Yeah. Because this is the interdependence on relationships. Things will happen from one person to another and you need to kind of be acceptable to go with the flow of the conversation or the connection in the relationship and not judge it, just go with it. Um, And that's quite difficult to do if you're wanting and expecting something from the relationship or the conversation. The best conversations is when you don't really have any expectations. Interesting. And it's so hard not to judge in the moment and, and not that you're judging 
you know, over critically maybe, but just emotionally you're judging everything they're saying, everything you're saying. Um, it's really hard to step away from that. Uh, but I love the idea of not having any ex- expectations around the conversation and, and just letting it flow and happen. And like the purpose of it is the connection. It's not getting anything out of it. Exactly. And if you allow that to happen, then you will come and actually find a common purpose of something in the togetherness. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit how you're applying all that today in, in your role in working with leaders. Yeah. I mean, I think the challenge today for leaders is incredibly difficult, particularly now in COVID times, because our world in which we knew of a certain structure and a way of doing things has radically changed. Okay. But I, I challenge leaders to really think about care in terms of what they feel for others. Yeah. I have an actual model of my 10 C's of, of I would call it caring leadership. And it's about really having care for others, communicating that care. It's about collaborating then with people, communing together and creating change. Yeah. So there are like five verbs I use in terms of the five C's of action for leaders in COVID. And the other uh, sort of variables which I talk about is calm, confident, clear, creative, and collective. So I, I built this model around my 10 Cs, yeah, and say these are the hands of, you know, leadership in the crisis. And so I, I, I challenge leaders to adopt behaviors which can support these 10 Cs. So if I start with the word care, because I, I believe that is the most important dynamic that a leader can create uh, within his organization is the care for others in the organization. And the most important way to do that is what I call extreme listening. You know, so that's really, really about listening to the cares and the concerns of other people, showing that you respect those cares and acknowledging them. And then in some way, yeah, capturing them and bringing them to a consensus about how do we move forward with your cares on an individual level and the cares of an organization, which Mm -hmm. we have in general. So this is a really important way to go. Yeah. And that honestly, as a leader at times in my career, that's been a challenge, right? Because not, not the caring part necessarily, but the fact that we have to achieve certain things and I need to help my team move in that direction. I want to care about you and who you are, but I don't know how to pull those two things together, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it is. It is a challenge. Um, I would say trust is probably the most important, let's say, foundation of that. Because real trust means, you know, you actually give people accountability and autonomy to do things for themselves and for others in their organization. And you provide also a level of what I call creative freedom. So, you know, the mechanisms of control are limited and you allow people to do what they feel is the best. And this is always, of course, within reason. You know, there is a framework of uh, certain compliance things. But apart from that, you give more control, yeah, if you call that word, which some managers, mostly not leaders, but managers tend to want to have. You 
give that away. And in giving, you receive much more. Interesting. Now, what are some of the bigger mistakes that you see leaders and managers making as you're first going into an organization? Yeah. Um, generally, of course, assumptions to assume something, yeah, based on a certain amount of information that you actually capture as you come into an organization. Assuming is a very dangerous thing, yeah. In fact, somebody once said, assuming means you make an ass of you and me, because mm-hmm. that's the word. <laughs> so <laughs> making assumptions, yeah, without gathering different perspectives in the organization can be quite dangerous. Yeah. So it's paramount that a leader gets to hear different opinions and different perspectives from the different layers in an organization. This can take, of course, a lot of time. And when leaders are under pressure, yeah, they tend uh, to make decisions with not that sort of collective perspective. But, uh, you know, it's probably hindsight then will tell them, my gosh, I should have invested the time to have these diverse perspectives in making decisions. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, I think you can talk a little bit about the importance of trust and relationships and innovating, right? And and making new and better decisions than you made yeah. yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's that was uh, sort of what I mentioned when I was talking about giving people, you know, accountability, giving them the creative freedom to really innovate. Yeah. And one of the things that I clearly challenge my my leaders on is why don't people have a dedicated time during their week for such activity? You know, fun for Fridays, you know, let's, let's have a dynamic that people have, you know, the freedom on a Friday to, to create, to create inside their own organizations or to create ideas with even other organizations. Yeah. And give them that flexibility. I think that's a tremendous idea. And one, some organizations do, but probably not, um, not many. Uh, I think it's unique. I've never been in an organization that did that. So that's yeah. interesting. What? But it's, it, you know, you don't have to make it so drastic. Yeah. It, it can be, you know, something simple. You say, okay, we'll take, you know, two hours every Friday afternoon and they're blocked for that. And you switch off the phones and you have the emails on, you know, respond. We're not available at the moment. And you make it possible for maybe 80% of the organization. Just from doing that, you create so many different ideas, yeah? And then, of course, you need to create a system to funnel the ideas and have, you know, brainstorming activities and maybe sort of uh, what I call quality circles to, you know, define which are the best ideas. But, you know, you're going to get a lot out of that. So let's talk about the importance of being vulnerable in the professional context and and how we can, like, what does that mean and how can we do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose, you know, a lot of times today, people look at that word vulnerability, and they automatically equate, unfortunately, the word with something like a weakness, yeah, when you're vulnerable, well, vulnerable for for who or for what, you know, what what is your vulnerability? Yeah, what is going to happen when you would be vulnerable? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the first, you know, aspect is to think of that in terms of vulnerability as a gain yeah vulnerability has also something to do with not being perfect and you know no human being is perfect okay we all are a certain level of humanness yeah and we have 
weaknesses and strengths, yeah? So why can we not be vulnerable? Why do we feel we have this desire to really want to be vulnerable, uh, need, need to be in control and not vulnerable at times? A lot of times it's actually about this idea of we feel vulnerable ourselves, yeah? Whereas if, uh, as a weakness, and when people would actually see us being vulnerable and showing that, they actually see this as courage. So this is, again, the perspective of your own self-perspective and the perspective mm-hmm. of others, yeah? Because you hear, you know, many good stories of when leaders show their vulnerability, you know, the employees around them, you know, they recognize that and say, wow, you know, he's actually human. He's really just being himself. Um, and there's a lot of power in that. So it's more about letting your own judgment and self-expectations to be the leader and being this perfect person, perfect leader. That's impossible. Yeah. Mm. So I, I find it's a lot about getting leaders to kind of let go of this, this mind map of this is what a leader is. And they have to be always in control and always have the answer and always, always is a terrible word, you know, get away Mm -hmm. from it and feel like you need to embrace your vulnerability and say, I don't know what to do here, you know, and actually, to be honest, in COVID times, this is quite easy because we really don't know what to do. This is a first for any of us. Yeah. And and I think nobody expects you to know what to do either. Right. And it's okay to say that and have that conversation with your team help together. Let's figure out the best path forward. I also find regarding vulnerability, doing things like sharing past failures, right? So I know you're struggling with this. I remember the first time I talked to a client and it went terrible and this is how, but they see you succeeding today. So they know that they can overcome that. Um, and the other piece is just kind of sharing feelings, not feelings like oh, I'm so sad, right? But feelings like mm-hmm. I was really frustrated about that, or I found this really difficult and challenging, you know, sharing those kinds of things to let other people know what's going on a little bit underneath. So those are the things I think about when when I think about vulnerability. So so tell me a little bit about how leaders can ask better questions as well. Yeah, this is something which is an art. So, you know. Leaders to learn this art of asking better questions, it's clearly about thinking what are the essential things to be asking that I can improve my thinking. Okay, so essential is a very important word because you know you can ask many questions, but there's essential questions in any conversation, and you want to make them very clear concise but also quite simple yeah and i think you know the easier the question the powerful the answer that's very important in terms of the verbal cue that you're speaking to somebody the other is investing a huge amount of time of understanding that body language makes up for a massive amount of when you ask questions you know mm-hmm about the tone that you're using, the speed, the volume, you know, thinking about using those things as you're asking a question to somebody is really another very powerful way to ask better questions. The other is, of course, how you, you know, interacting with that person in that moment, yeah, whether you're 
closer to them, more distant, how you're nodding, how you're using those, you know, body language cues to really demonstrate your interest and want wanting to get a really great answer. Yeah. Another thing I would say is it's okay to practice, right? Because uh, you think about <laughs> like tonality. It's yeah. okay to practice that a few times to get it right, to feel like you're really communicating yeah. what you want to communicate as well as your body language. Yeah. It's funny that you saw, talk about practicing. I, I tell leaders from time to time when they're in maybe a very important situation that they look in their mirror and they practice asking questions to themselves. Mm. Yeah, because I think it, it allows you to get used to, first of all, looking at your own self asking questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and it internalizes the way you would, would like to ask the question by, you know, feeling that tone in your chest when you say different ways of actually asking something with your tone and the speed of your volume. And you get used to that. And so you get aware of the power of doing that. Yeah, I think that's great. I, you know, I've definitely done, you know, say speeches in front of the mirror, that kind of thing, but I've never asked questions in front of the mirror and I can see the value of doing that. So I'm excited to go try that now. <laughs> yeah, right out. No, it's very powerful. Cool. Well, uh, great stuff. Just a couple more questions I like to ask everybody who I have on the show. Yeah. So the first is around the power of conversations. You know, I'm a firm believer that uh, one conversation can change the entire direction that you take in your life. So I always like to ask my guests if there's one conversation you can point to that had a really meaningful impact upon you. Yeah. First off, I would actually say uh, a meaningful conversation you should have every day with mm -hmm. yourself, probably as a first thing in the day. Uh, that's just, I was just thinking about the mirror again. And I would say, you know, say hello to yourself every day in your mirror. We all have bathrooms. We all go there in the morning, brushing our teeth. We're doing whatever. Why don't we say hello to each other every morning mm -hmm. to yourself and have that meaningful connection with you as a being? Yeah. Uh, and use your eyes and, you know, say, well, good morning, Michael. How are you? Make that initial connection. You will feel more connected to yourself. And if you feel more connected to yourself, you have the power to have be more connected with others. So I would challenge every leader to do that or any person. Yeah. Build, build that resonance we were talking about earlier with yourself. I think that's exactly. really powerful. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, in, in terms of meaningful conversations, yeah, I think probably the most meaningful conversations I would have had would have been with my father when uh, I think he kind of discussed where I wanted to go in life and what I wanted to do. And that it was all about, you know, doing what makes you happy. That that was, of course, you know, an important maybe thing that he said to me to begin my journey as an adult uh, and do what I really am passionate about in terms of yeah human relations, because that's always what I've been interested in about and doing. And that's what I've done. So that was an important discussion, I think, when I was about, I don't know, 17, 18. Yeah to find my way, but to feel that I had the support and his backing. Other conversations, I think, would have been like a time when, yeah, I, you know, one of my biggest challenges in my life was when I suffered from depression, state of depression, and, you know, trying to free myself from that. And my, my oldest son said to me, you know, it's okay to be human, dad, you know, mm -hmm. you're going to get out of this kind of deal. Yeah. 
And at that moment in time, it was only a very small thing that he said, but it allowed me to kind of discover um, what was holding me back to get me out of there. And then I discovered, you know, the power of positive psychology and self-talk and, and really, you know, was able to get out of that situation and reclaim my life back. Yeah, very powerful. And you hear it echoed when you talk a lot about the conversation with ourselves is so important to the way that we communicate with others. And I think that's a really important topic that's often overlooked. Absolutely. So second question, if you think about your yeah. journey so far and all that you've accomplished, yeah. if there's one skill that you could have had in more abundance, one communication skill, what would that have been that would have made it all a lot easier for you? Yeah, the conversation skill in terms of when you're listening to the answers of another human, um, when you're having a conversation, to understand that you're own biases can be dangerous. I think if I understood that earlier in my thought process, yeah, it would have allowed me to make maybe better decisions. Really important, important factor that again, I think is often overlooked. We all have biases that impact our thinking and our communication. Some are bigger than others. Some are very yeah. subtle that are, are hard to start to locate, but can have a huge impact. Yeah. And I think, you know, just being aware of it is, is the first powerful step. Yeah. Some people don't even think that they are biased, but if you're human, you're biased. Yeah? Absolutely. So anybody who says that they're not <laughs> is, is kidding themselves. So at least if you admit you know that you're biased because of what you've experienced in your life allows your thinking process to be that way, educating yourself a little bit about maybe, you know, the top 10 different kind of biases that you would probably have, yeah, I think is also important. And reflecting on conversations mm -hmm. when you have conversations with other people to understand where are you biased? And if you were, what to do with that then? I think the reflection part is so critical because you don't, you'll I'll undoubtedly find biases you didn't realize that you had if you do some real honest introspection about how you're communicating with somebody else. Absolutely. Yeah. So last question for you, who is the best communicator that you know, either know personally, know of, they could be alive or dead. And why do you say that about them? Yeah. It's funny, this question, best communicator. Well, hopefully the best communicator is yourself with yourself. Yeah. Mm. And each one of us can be the best communicator on a certain level. But I think if you know best known communicators, of course, we look to, you know, the leaders in our political world, our business world, musical world, cultural world, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I can name many people, but I think the dimension which people get excited about when they recognize, oh, he's a great or she's a great communicator. It's about this idea of integrity, passion, and the belief they have in what they're saying. And I think clearly, probably the ability to tell stories. Mm -hmm. If we think of some of the great leaders in our world, they're all good communicators, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, why is that? Yeah. Well, I think it is because they're passionate about what they're doing. They have a certain level of integrity and belief in what they're doing and in themselves. And they have an ability to communicate that in a story 
way which brings people into the story with them. Yeah. So it's this idea of together, togetherness. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love that answer. I also love uh, the best communicator should be you with yourself. Uh, definitely a unique answer I haven't heard before and one that causes some reflection. So that is awesome. So where is the best place folks can find you and connect with you? Yeah. Best places on LinkedIn, Michael Keating or Keating Relations. Of course, the word relations is uh, powerful in my business. Mm -hmm. And so Keating Relations, Michael Keating. And Michael, do you do work globally or do you just do work in specific regions? No, globally. I'm absolutely a global citizen since many years, intensely since, of course, uh, maybe about four or five years and even more intensely uh, since COVID, you know, mostly online, which is uh, still a great way to uh, communicate with people. It's not the end all be all, I would say, but I still enjoy having great conversations, deep and meaningful with others. Indeed. I felt like this was a great conversation as well. So I, I appreciate you taking the time. I think you shared a tremendous amount of value for the audience. So just, just want to thank you for that. And now I'm going to go have a conversation with myself in the mirror. Very good. Do that. You'll find it powerful. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Don't let the momentum stop now. Continue your path towards connecting at another level by joining the Communication Nation. We'll be discussing today's topics as well as more real-world solutions to transforming your life personally and professionally at facebook.com slash groups slash join the communication nation. Remember, you're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and life. And that conversation starts right here on The Art of Communication.